What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. One-on-one conversations with some of your favorite artists. Find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Welcome back, film fans, to a brand new episode of Quality Check Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Daniel Posey, trying not to cause the audio to cut out this time. I think it did. Oh, great. We'll find out. We'll we'll find out when I edit. I, I drew back on this one, and I tried not to be up in the mic this time so that way there's a little bit of space between us not only to keep the mic safe from covid but also oh in in hopes that i would uh make sure that i did not have an audio snafu on this but nonetheless let's jump to it and joining me across the internet as always is drew douglas man i'm trying to keep you down yeah you've got you're suited up today you've got your web slingers on uh, I, I haven't changed since the last podcast. I've been wearing the same Spider-Man underwear. Uh, speaking of, I would love to get a Spider-Man onesie. When did that rule? Yeah, I said that last time. Now, we, <laughs> we'll get into, obviously, our um, theatrical experiences, but did anyone dress up as Spider-Man w- when you went and saw the movie? Because No. Really? There was yeah. no one? Yeah. No, I, no joke. I kept hearing from multiple uh, friends, coworkers, and, uh, well, mutual friends of ours. They kept trying to pressure me into dressing up, and I almost dre- dressed up as J. Joan Jameson, but I decided not to. Yeah, we had a lot of people in, like, tight spandex. Oh, man, I that'd s- be uncomfortable for two and I a half s- hours. I saw some stuff, <laughs> you know, like some some butts and some junk. <laughs> <laughs> you, you couldn't turn around very fast or else you'd see more than what you bargained for. Ooh. Now, were there a lot? Would you say like half of the people in your screening went to see this in cosplay? No, absolutely not. But there was, well, there was always one or two people. Okay. And uh, yeah, some of them, honestly, some of some of the costumes looked good. Ooh. I wonder if they're like handmade or if they ended up going out and buying those. I'm sure they bought it. There was one guy dressed as Miles Morales, which Ooh, is pretty dope. I dig that. I really like his look. And hopefully they bring that. Uh, I'm not going to say anything right now. Almost. Uh, it, it wouldn't be revealing anything. I wouldn't be spoiling anything. But I'm very cautious about what we say in the very beginning of this uh, podcast episode because I'd hate to spoil anything right away. Um, I'd say I say we just hit the spoiler alarms right now. Yeah. We go full steam ahead because I'm afraid I'm going to say something. And if you are just insane enough to listen to us <laughs> and you haven't seen the movie, shame on you. Go yeah. go, go see the movie and then come listen to us knuckleheads. You know, I've got a very important question to ask you right after this. But first, as what you were teeing up for, Drew, uh, film fans, thanks for joining us on a new episode of Quality Check Podcast. We're talking about Spider-Man No Way Home. The only thing film fans and really pop culture fans are talking about right now. I think that conversation will last until the year 2022. So uh, first off, I want to say if you have not listened to us before, thanks for joining us. But more importantly, go hit a pause right now before listening to this and go back to our last episode where we revisited Homecoming and Far From Home, where we break down uh, the discussion on those two movies leading right into this, because we end up talking about uh, certain things that play a pivotal pivotal role in No Way Home, in addition to a few predictions. But before we get into that, uh, Drew, were there any spoilers, any major spoilers that you found out before watching this movie? Because there is a big one we had text about, but outside of that... Was there, would you say there was just one big spoiler that was revealed to you? And other than that, you remain relatively spoiler free? It was the big, uh, and I can say this, right? We're in spoiler Yeah, spoiler. Once again, warning sign. We're going to wave the warning sign. We're going to say this for the next five seconds. So if you have not seen the movie yet, you're about to get spoiled. And that's the end of the warning. 
I had the death of Aunt May ruined for me. That was the big thing that I saw on uh, good old YouTube. I got to say, other than that, no. I went in and God, they, the Aunt May thing, there was a good um, minute or so where I, I thought maybe I dodged a bullet and then she she keels over. So no such luck. But I, I will say having that ruined, it does happen I would say in the middle of the movie, not, not mm-hmm. that bad. I, I'll take that over ruining the end of the movie. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I, I would still, that would suck. But as what we discussed in the last podcast episode, there was, I had a feeling we'd end up getting a big death or deaths actually. And yeah. Aunt, May, Aunt May, well, but the thing, and I did not know. I that was I remain relatively spoiler free, in the exception of. Did you like uh, how I played that off though? When you said it on the podcast, uh, I didn't have any reaction. I was like, "Oh my gosh, he got it!" <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Because with that, I thought, okay, you probably saw one of the other Spider-Man uh, outlines, or or maybe. Maybe it's that epic scene of all three of them jumping off the building. But we together. already knew that. Why would that be the big spoiler? I already knew that going in that it was going to have probably 98% chance of seeing the other two. True. Um, I kept saying, like, for myself, I, I had not seen the photo. So, And and someone else had, had told me after watching this that it was a uh, the, the photo that leaked of Toby and Andrew's, like, around that back uh crunching scene where they're he's oh, like my back's yeah. out it was around mm-hmm. that time and there's like a, a Seth photo that leaked and they thought that the lighting was a little off and wasn't quite sure you know how that worked but i had not seen that photo and i remained i mean i kept hearing over and over and over it was like the worst kept secret yeah. that they're both video, in it. video of garfield on the scaffolding leaked Mm. and somebody did their best to prove that it wasn't real the shot is in the movie it's him <laughs> it's him bent down he's got his arm back and he's holding on to the pole talking to toby mm. and that's what leaked i was like well that's the shot that we all saw like a month and a half ago i also saw uh charlie cox as matt murdoch that, that image leaked uh at the time though i would have guessed that it was fake it looked fake no it was genuine that stinks, but at the same time, it was weird. like going into this. I thought I, I want to say I expected to see him, but I'm like, I'm sure he'll pop up in like a small cameo, something like that. And the way it happened wasn't really surprising, but it was not how I thought it would turn out. It was um, cool. And, yeah, and he is the only cameo. If you don't count some of the the uh, the shapes and figures in the in the when everything's kind of breaking through mm-hmm. he's the only cameo which is kind of wild yeah yeah it's um i and i thought for sure that he would be one of many and especially from those that maybe we would end up seeing like the defenders universe uh starting to trickle in but that's it is but it was still it was still cool to end up getting that but Anyways, let's go ahead and dive right into Spider-Man No Way Home. Talking about the stats, the story picks up immediately following the reveal of Spider-Man's identity, where Peter Parker seeks the advice of Dr. Stephen Strange and his help and hopes to return to a normal life, but instead opens a multiverse of problems. The movie was released in the United States on Thursday, December 16th, and it is once again a team-up between or among Chris McKenna and Eric Summers, the two writers for this film, and it's directed by John Watts. Those three are the behind-the-scenes all-stars here returning from Homecoming and Far From Home to bring No Way Home. So it's the, you could say, John Watts trilogy or the Tom Holland uh, Home trilogy. Uh, Speaking of, the actors in this, we've got Tom Holland, Zendaya, Benny Cumberbatch, Marissa Tomei, we've also mm. got, as what you have seen in the trailers, Alfred Molina, Jamie Foxx, and drum roll for Andrew Garfield and Toby Maguire. This movie, I say Willem Dafoe, dude, you can't leave him off the list. Well, I know. All right, let's bring it. Well, let's bring in Willem Dafoe. 
uh, great as uh, Green Goblin. And he, uh, it's so strange. He, to me, it didn't look like he aged a day in this. Did they do a little um, CG enhancement or something? They had to. I mean, he looked good. Yeah, they had to. Like, it's hard for me to believe that he is still looking that great because, like, he's been in other movies and he looks, you know, I hate to say it, but rougher. He just looks (laughs) older. I'm just, that's how, and maybe that was part of those other movies that he is, Maybe that was like his character, but in this, yeah, he he's, has like this glisten to him. And maybe it's just seeing yeah, him back I, in this role. They did. I think they did a little something. The dude's 66. Yeah. And no, no shade to uh, how Willem Dafoe looks, but uh, yeah, there's just something about it. Just for all of these actors, it's like they had a fresher look, but uh, then there's one actor who it kind of bothered me a little bit. And I'm going to bring up uh, that up whenever we get to that character. But, Uh, This movie, Spider-Man No Way Home, was made for a production of $200 million, and it easily made Mm. that back in the United States. Opening weekend set a record. It has made now officially $260 million, ranking second at the all-time highest domestic box office release, just edging out Avengers Infinity War, which made $257 million dollars and this now is right behind avengers endgame uh and globally within the first weekend it has made 600 million dollars and you said before this weekend it's projected to make is it 800 million is that right yeah we're to hit that 800 mil mark by that's, the weekend that's so wild it's it's you know, I guess it's not, I don't know. I, I'll say it is very surprising, especially being in the pandemic right now. And Omicron is, uh, those cases are going up. But get ready for this. The Rotten Tomatoes score among critics is 94%. And among fans, it sits at a coveted <laughs> 99%. This also, speaking of, getting a very high score. It's a perfect score on cinema score with an A plus the highest ever for live action Spider-Man movie. Drew, did you walk out of the theater thinking this was the greatest Spider-Man movie of all time? Mm, no, I didn't. <laughs> I agree. But I, I loved it. Don't get me wrong. There's so much in this movie to unpack that in some ways I felt overwhelmed. Mm. This, I would argue, this is maybe the greatest theatrical experience I've ever had or anything. <laughs> I easily the best MCU experience, even even above Endgame. I I agree with that. I agree that it's definitely one of those things that it's. I really enjoyed this movie, but before this movie started, I was texting you and another friend who had seen this. And he said, this could easily be one of the greatest films of all time. I'm like, what? Like, that's a, that's, that's that's you. Pretty bold. Yeah. I think one thing that's holding me back a little bit, the first act, first 30 to 40 minutes is, is kind of rough for me. Mm. It's all, it's all building up the pieces. I really noticed it when the villains come through. Uh, They're at one point taken into like, Doctor Strange's basement or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. And they're all in like little cages and that thing just like doesn't work for me. Yeah. There's something so clunky about the whole thing. I wasn't necessarily huge on, so we're the first big task that Tom Holland has to face is uh, Electro and we're also introduced to Sandman. And something about Jamie Foxx sometimes just doesn't work for me. mm and his electro in this was just kind of, I like the idea of what they're going with where it's this character that he's, he went from like this nerdy dude in Amazing Spider-Man 2 to now he's like buff. He looks good. And he has, it, so it's like this dilemma for him of, I don't necessarily want to be bad, but I like what has happened to me. I think that's interesting. But some of the stuff with Jamie Foxx, uh, just the way he plays Electro and some of the dialogue he's given in that opener and then throughout the film, it's just 
it's just so dopey. You know what I mean? Did you have that feeling whatsoever? Yeah, I did. I really did. I mean, there's moments where I'm like, I feel like that wasn't in the script. That's Jamie Foxx ad-libbing. And then they want to make Jamie Foxx happy. So they're not going to cut it. They're going to be like, yeah, <laughs> say some hammy line. Just go ahead. Yeah, there's definitely some some of that where, like you said, there's a lot to unpack. But ultimately, there were a few minor things like that that just kept you know, notching it down that even though the nostalgia factor weighs heavily, I think, and why people are giving it such a high grade. Once we look back on that, I think we're going to on rewatches say, eh, it's not quite as good as what I originally thought. But then again, maybe that won't be the case. But for some, mm-hmm. they may end up staying with it being at the top of their list, not just of Spidey films, but possibly of the MCU and just of all films. (laughs) I do wonder. um, I I think for me, it's going to, the first act is going to be easier. Yeah. Everything's heading. So it'll be less clunky. Did you like the introduction to Doc Ock on the highway? Actually? Yeah. I think all of the, except for Green Goblin, that was, it seemed to like start and then boom is done. Yeah. It it ended. And there was an audible response uh, around me where people go, Oh, like it's getting, <laughs> it's getting good. We have the awesome like goblin bomb, and then it stops. Mm-hmm. I I found Doc Ock to be kind of aggravating in this movie. He's he reminded me of a non playable character in a video game that just is spouting dialogue. And <laughs> in this case, he's just like this character who's angry, and he literally keeps repeating the stuff like "Where's Spider Man? You're not my Spider Man!" And everything he says, he shouts up until he's cured. <laughs> It is, I think, a fault, or I should say a pitfall of chalking this movie with so many villains that they all kind of feel that way, in the exception of Green Goblin and um, Electro to a degree. But even then, it it kind of, he suffers from that a little bit. I think that my biggest takeaway from this is even though I really enjoyed it, I kept noticing various, for me, it was holes in the story that I kept thinking, hold on, what, what, like what's going on here? And that just kept taking me out of it where I'm wondering if on a rewatch, maybe I can enjoy it a little bit more. And it starts really once we get into the underground layer with Dr. Strange. Um, But then beyond that, it's also with the attitude of Dr. Strange, why he's acting the way that he is. Um, I was a bit surprised he wasn't under the spell of someone. Which makes me wonder if we'll get more of that in perhaps Dr. Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. But right now, we I mean, we don't get any answers. I, I don't think so. I think he was just him trying to, like genuinely trying to help Peter. Um, yeah, I was confused by the spell things about why certain things worked. And then especially the ending, I'm like, this seems like a pretty easy fix. Mm-hmm. Like Peter has to make a huge sacrifice, but ultimately, I mean, you're really taking care of this issue with a simple spell. Yeah. Like that seemed a little, it did seem a little lopsided. I feel in terms of it just suddenly have them having the solution, but now, granted, Doctor Strange is like sent to Utah or something <laughs> for for twelve hours, where he's hanging somewhere for like twelve hours. Um, so I do kind of like the the he's at odds with Doctor Strange in that he feels guilt for these villain deaths that he had no part in. So he's going to try to save them because that's not who he wants to be. Mm-hmm. And Doctor Strange is like, it's not worth it because we have to worry about the billions of people on earth false aside in that first half i think from the point when peter and aunt may bring the villains into the apartment they're staying at like from that point on is one of the most satisfying movie going experiences that i've had in a long time if not ever now tell me about your theatrical experience because before the movie started you texted me and you said that your crowd was quote like a volcano about to blow at any little thing. 
Yeah. <laughs> Which I read and I laughed. And then I was in the bathroom at the theater and I thought about that again. And I started laughing because I had just come out of the movie and nearly packed uh, or nearly sold out. It was definitely the busiest movie I've been to during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And the theater itself was just, I mean, there was a million people. Did your audience end up losing their minds? Absolutely. They were they were just like a pack of feral wild animals <laughs> that had been pent up and they got released. I mean, they and, might have. Who knows? And then, no joke. There was uh, there were three rows, and you could tell they were all together. Like they knew each other because every once in a while they would like call out uh, someone's name or something like that. And there were two. Uh, t- two moviegoers. One sat uh, literally right in front of me, but off to the right. So not quite the seat in front of me, but just to the right. And then there was another person. There were there was two rows in front to the left of me. And no joke, both of those those guys they were like I'd say around late teens, early twenties. They literally were sitting on the edge of their seats waiting mm. for scenes to happen. And when it when big reveals happen, the guy in the front and like two rows up, he no joke at one point got up and ran in place. He was that <laughs> excited. And then the we guy had people too in front of me, a, a young, a younger man sitting on the edge of his seat with like his head in his hands and he was glued to what he was watching. <laughs> This and I mean, there were so many different reactions, all of them like uh, around me. Everyone had some audible reaction at Mm -hmm. some point in the movie. Like every single person I felt like in that theater had a reaction of some sort. And they were all wildly different. So we've got the kid running in place. We've got (laughs) the one right in front of me where no joke when the two when Toby and Andrew are revealed, you hear as Ned opens the portal the first time, and then we see Spider-Man, and you hear this guy right in front of me. He's like, no way. no." Way. He's like whispering it. And, he's, and then as it gets closer, and then he turns and looks, and Spider-Man starts running. He's like, it's happening. It's happening. It almost was like he was <laughs> orgasming. And then he climaxes because at that point, no joke, when he runs through and he takes off his mask, the dude is jumping in his freaking seat. Literally jumping in. I did, he treated he treated the seat as a trampoline. But you said you said that happened in Venom too at a different theater. It was yeah. And it was it was so this was like more of a this is a <laughs> playground full of kids who had eaten they they had just consumed a copious amount of cotton candy and sugar. And then my, it was funny because there were um, three ladies sitting to my left and they were quiet until about that scene when that started happening. And then from that point forward, they were commenting on various things that it made me laugh because whenever we get the three uh, Peters and then Zendaya, I think it was Ned actually said, Hey, Peter, and then yeah. they're like, who, me, that Peter? And they they were pointing at each other. One of those ladies, she said out loud, she's like, they're doing the pointing thing. <laughs> and like all of this, all of this built into, like you said, probably the, the wackiest theater experience that I've ever seen. But and it made the movie fun. better. Yes. That's the thing is usually that stuff would make me so mad. <laughs> Um, but we had, I had the same thing where people, the guy in front of me was so excited. He was stomping his feet and clapping his hands, <laughs> like looking at the ground with his eyes closed. Cause he was just so happy. Yeah. It's like every little, uh, quote that was aligning with other movies or nod, uh, the appearances. And it was just so funny because it started off small. Cause the first big one that we get for a cameo is, as you said, it's Daredevil. And yeah. so it's that get a good reaction. It was decent. It was, it was like, oh, it was like one of those. And then <laughs> when it gets to like Doc Ock, then we get some clapping and like cheering. Then we get to Green Goblin. And at this point, 
all the moviegoers have been injected with super serum and they're just like <laughs> raging at that point. And from it just keeps building and building. And then when we get Toby and Andrew, the the literally the energy in that crowd was as electric as Electro himself. It was just like like nothing I've ever seen before. It's wild. I really I do want to see this again, but my hesitation is in theaters. I don't think anything can live up to the first time. Yeah, I I would agree with that because like you said, you and I saw Endgame together, and that got easily some of the best reactions. It's weird. So it's Endgame, restrained though because I think it it was at Alamo Draft House when they they poo poo anybody clapping and having fun. You true. know what I mean? Yeah. So that that's definitely up there. Was there a moment that you vividly remember that got like the craziest response? Yeah, hands down, it's the reveal of the two Spider-Man characters of Toby and Andrew. Like Andrew coming in and then when Toby comes in and like at that point, almost that entire sequence was like they were just going bonkers. (laughs) And they, they just, and I think it was that but then a rival scene, and it was very reminiscent of Cap getting Mjolnir in Endgame, and he grabs Thor's hammer. That's whenever, um, like, that same reaction we got during that mm-hmm. screening happened whenever, for No Way Home, the three Spider-Men jump off the building at the same time, and they're web-slinging. Yeah. That was a huge, huge moment. This movie has a lot of surprises in it, but uh, was there anything that you were surprised about watching this movie? What surprised me the most was kind of more of a feeling, a movie that got such high ratings from critics and audience members alike, I walked out of it feeling not with them. I was just surprised that I wasn't also completely in love with the film. The When, when Peter talks to Doc Ock again, they kind of, repeat some of the dialogue they did 17 years ago i it it, i don't know it brought me back to memories of seeing those movies and i had a genuine emotion of just wow i'm it's good to see these people again do you think uh the no way home is a better end for garfield's spider-man character or is it a better fresh start where we could see more of him Ooh, um because the ending the thing that's been haunting him, and he talks about this, is the death of Gwen Stacy and what that has done to him. And he has that redemption in this movie. So in, I think a lot of ways, this would be a pretty solid ending for that Peter Parker. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, it would be interesting if we were to see maybe what happened to his Peter that followed Gwen's death. Because he said yeah, that he's no I don't longer- need, We don't need to see that. Yeah, because he mentioned like he's um, was it? He goes, he goes. Ben Affleck, Batman, just beats people up too much. Yeah, like we don't need to see that. I, I'd rather have a fresh start if we're gonna do it. I'd totally be down for another movie. And uh, this is a good launching pad where we just kind of wipe the slate clean. Yeah, and hopefully Sony knows how to make a better movie with him in it. Yeah, I, I would say it would serve as a better end. But Ooh. I would I would like it would also be an interesting way of kind of rebooting the character. It would be the wildest thing to get two Spider-Man movies, two different universes. I just think that alone would just be kind of fascinating. It, it, I think it's possible. I hope it happens. Uh, loves hates how No Way Home juggled its five bad guys. Ooh. I'm going to have to take a maybe unpopular opinion, but I'm going to say hates. Yeah, I kind of lean that way too, because I think almost all of these villains minus Green Goblin just suck. (laughs) Yeah. Because Sandman and Lizard are so irrelevant to this movie. Mm. I don't think they particularly look very good either. The CG on them at times, I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Doc Ock annoyed the crap out of me for the bulk of this movie because he wouldn't stop complaining. <laughs> and then I was pretty mixed on Electro. Again, going back to, I like the the struggle that the character has. I think he fares better than most of the other ones. Uh, Green Goblin, though, freaking rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree for sure. Now, ranking all of the villains, we have Doc Ock, Green Goblin, Electro, Sammy, and Lizard. Let's go from worst to first. Numero five. Who are you putting? 
as the worst villain in this movie. Well, you said Lizard and Sandman are just like the bench warmers, and they're not even that, I feel. But God, they're so just like unmemorable. Lizard, I think, yeah. is just the worst. I Can agree. You, yeah. Give him a freaking lab coat, by the way. If we're going to have fun with these characters, put a lab coat on them like in the <laughs> comics. Please. Like, Can we get that just once? Yeah, I, that's the one thing that I did not get any kind of enjoyment out of Lizard. It just like he was there. He was already locked up. He was so meaningless in the grand scheme of things. Doctor Strange already locked him up by the time yeah, we see we him. We didn't even see it. Yeah, uh. it's it's just so <laughs> weird. But I mean, I get it. Speed the story along, uh, which I was okay with. Yeah, but I, I don't hate that. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, I, it was kind of funny, but at the same time, it's just like, mm, it's like he did nothing for me. So Lizard goes to the bottom. Numero four. I'm putting Sandman. I, I, yeah, I agree. He also said something that was so strange to me where I'm like, wait, so the motivation you're giving for him is he wants to get back to his daughter and but I'm confused. He starts out by helping Spidey and then he turns against Spidey and then he's just like a confused villain. It's weird because like at the end of Spider-Man 3, Spider-Man lets him go so he can like go be with his family. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, what are you doing here? (laughs) Yeah. And that's, I think, bleeds over from that movie, but it's like, hold on, what now? It's almost like they showed up and they have kind of amnesia. Like, they don't know what happened to them. Yeah. Or something. I don't know. That character... I think Sandman in general is a good, like, side character or something, but I just don't care enough about him. Yeah. Agreed. Um, Numero three, I'm going to put Doc Ock. He just is freaking annoying. See, I I enjoyed Doc Ock. There's something about the the look of Doc Ock that I, whenever he came out, I could not wait for him to come out on the big screen. And there's something about seeing him once again on the big screen that I can't put him on in third. So I have to go, even though Jamie Foxx looks good and I like this version better, I've got to go Electro in number three. Do you like how bulked up he was? I, I think he's doing... Tyson. Tyson, yeah. He looked uh, he looked meaty. Yeah. He, this is... Uh, I, I dug his look. I really liked how he looked in this. And like from his... From the eyes to the... Uh, once he gets the arc reactor, all of that stuff. It just... I dug a lot about Electro in this. And it made me want more of him. Uh, oh, I don't know about that. I, like, I would, would like, you, like in another movie or just in this? No, I think like the way they handled his character was good. The amount of screen time and what they ended up doing in this film. But I'd like to see more of him like as a side character. But the way the way he was introduced, his ingredients in the mix, I love. I like they used some of the old Hans Zimmer score. Yeah. From that movie. Just a little bit. But it, it's like his little theme I thought was cool. So number two, I got... Uh, I got Electro. We just did a little flip-flop. Yeah, and that's where I stick Doc Ock. And then Green Goblin is just still the best. I I could have used more of him. I feel like he kind of vanishes for a little bit. Mm -hmm. One thing I wish um, we have at one point Aunt May like stabs him in the neck with something. What was that? Uh, Well, that was part of his... uh, Like to make him not go nuts? Yeah, the antidote for... It didn't work. Yeah, exactly. I I was hoping that would like disfigure his face and we would have kind of a ghoulish green goblin. But I was expecting that to be honest. His costume with like that purple hoodie, the oh. tattered hoodie on top of his normal green costume, he looked man, I want oh, I want I need a green goblin in the MCU. Yeah, that it looks so good. He looks so good in that. And I'm like, wow. That of all of the Green Goblin looks, that was the best. And I don't know, I don't know who you if you would get Willem Dafoe. I think if you do it in the MCU, you're starting from scratch. But it's like who can top him? Oh, not Dane DeHaan. No, that was that was atrocious, and he looks like an idiot. <laughs> 
He looks so bad in Amazing Spider-Man too. I'm super tempted to rewatch that. You should. Because, um, again, I don't hate that movie, but it's been a while. It's always crazy to think Chris Cooper is in Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah. And did you see, it's like a deleted scene or whatever, but it's Chris Cooper's head like in a jar. Oh. <laughs> like basically Norman didn't die. Yeah. And it was going to carry that. It was going to continue that on. Yeah, that's... Which is just yeah. like insane. <laughs> Um, now one character we did not see, and we, we predicted that he would factor in, like be a factor, or at least I did. And it's, uh, it's Mysterio. We, we're, we're treated to Jake Gyllenhaal's face once the movie starts. That's the first thing we see. And I was like, oh my gosh, are we, are we kind of setting Mysterio up? It's just like what we see in Far From Home. Are you bummed at all that Mysterio didn't factor in? After seeing this, no, but leading into this, yes, I really want a Mysterio. Uh, like you said, when we first see him in the very beginning of this, I'm like, all right, we're going to get more Mysterio. I I really do wish we got him in this or at least in another Spider-Man film. But I think he is dead, by the way. I initially, huh? didn't, I, I initially didn't think he really died. I do think he's dead. Now I do, yeah. Um but uh, I would love to see him show up. However, with him showing up in this, um, it would have been cool to get the Sinister Six mm. since we had five villains, but that's kind of what it would have been. I mean, I would have been I'm, okay I'm, with that, but I'm glad we didn't. It would have muddied the waters a little bit. Yeah. Too much. And, and that's where I fall in the I'm glad he didn't show up category this, after watching this movie. Uh, again, basically three and a half out of the five villains just kind of sucked dick. Yeah. Too much. So, it's too much. <laughs> it's just listen, you can use Sandman and Lizard a little amount like they did, but they have to have something memorable where I can be like, well, he did this really cool thing. Yeah. Exactly. And there's just not that. I think you predicted we were going to see Venom maybe as that sixth, sixth Venom, Venom villain. <laughs> uh, were you bummed at all about not seeing him? And we're not going to count the end credits. Soon. Yeah. I was expecting that we'd get something like a little taste. Um, Thank God. Thank I mean, God. Ah, uh, yeah. That's how I feel. I'm just, I just can't get into the Venom character. I can't. It would have made no sense either. It would have made yeah. absolutely no yeah, I'm I'm glad we didn't. I even in the end credits, it's a kind of interesting, but to me that <laughs> says the symbiote is left in the MCU, but we're not gonna get that Tom Hardy. So Tom Hardy could exist, and this is where I think they're going with this. Mm-hmm. We will get another Venom who will square off against uh, Tom Holland, Spider-Man in the MCU slash Sony verse, but it's not going to be Eddie Brock. It, yeah. It's going to be someone else. However, Eddie will work as that kind of, it's almost someone described this as where Eddie Brock, the Tom Hardy, Eddie Brock is working is almost like the Nick Fury where he could be rounding up these other villains, so to speak, like Morbius and Craven and, and those who they make other movies. Maybe that happens. I see him interacting with those characters, but so that's say that's on the right side. On the left side, we've got the symbiote. What you know, maybe that takes over the bartender's body, and we get that venom in the MCU slash Sonyverse with Tom Holland. So I think we'll eventually see that. That's what it's teasing. But when we see that at the very end of the movie, I'm like, oh my goodness. I just, I'm. We dodged a bullet, is what we dodged because we we don't want the crappy Venom franchise in the MCU. I think it's hilarious. This is like a slap in the face. It's like basically, we don't like what you just did with this character. So we're going to steal the symbiote. We're going to send your dude back into his own universe. He ain't coming back over here. And we're going to do it right. Yeah. Which is hilarious because there are people around me. Mm-hmm. When Tom Hardy vanishes back into his little crappy universe, <laughs> we had people going, I, I, people upset. They're like, oh no, they're like upset that they're <laughs> not going to interact in my head. I'm going, thank God. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Thank God. That's the smartest thing Kevin Feige did. Was I agree. Basically saying, let's let us do it, please. Now, loves hates Aunt May's death. Ooh. She's the only big death. 
Man. I, Which is you know, wild. We I, only had one big death and one big cameo. I think there needed to be a character who died, uh, someone who really pushes Peter. So uh, I don't want to see her die, though. That's a thing. Marissa Tomei is like our Aunt Crush. She, we all love this uh, Aunt May. Yeah, wish but, she was my hot aunt, but she's not. I'm going to uh, miss her so much. So I'm going to say hates. Oh, it is a bold choice, but I do like that it kind of pushes him to be on his own. And we basically didn't get one movie that was an origin story. This is, we kind of realized these movies have just literally been one massive origin story to get yeah. to the Spider-Man that we kind of all know and love. Mm-hmm. I kind of like it. I like that it's a shift because when we, it sets up the, the all the Peters meeting and then they're all telling stories about you know, the with great re- power comes great responsibility. And who said that to me? Well, in this case, it's it's something my Aunt May told me. I like it. I think it's kind of sweet. Um, mm-hmm. And we never, well, she's back with Ben, you know, in the afterlife. And we never got to see who Ben is. Justin Theroux. In our hearts, it's always going to be Justin Theroux. Now, Love <laughs> Tate, right. the movie ending with everyone forgetting Peter Parker. <sighs> We know who's, they know Spider-Man. They don't know Peter Parker, which I think is a, we talked about this one, the curse to fix everything seemed to have been super easy yet. This is like the most complicated thing for Peter. Mm -hmm. I don't fully understand how that works. I loved this hard. And here, here are a few hot takes on it. One, it is a soft reboot, but it gives us, like you said, we had this origin story. Now we're able to move forward and everyone's interacting with Peter kind of like for the first time, or I shouldn't say Peter. Well, actually Peter and Spider-Man, but here's the thing. I do have a problem with this and that problem lies in, all right. So he goes through high school. He's at the end of his high school um, and, and he's about to graduate and then boom, he's forgotten and we see a book and it's him studying for his ged how is he why does he need to study for the ged by the way he's a genius well because he's no longer in high school so now that he's forgotten and no longer in the system i mean i get that i get why he needs to take the test why does he need to study for it that guy could go and completely blind and pass that thing that's it there's i was all a way for them to say that he's starting over but here's the thing that really kind of got under my skin how the heck (laughs) is he affording not only affording but how does he get that apartment he's got no freaking credit he's got no name or no one that can help him like get this apartment even freaking happy doesn't remember but like does he just pay cash and it's a sketchy place in new york city but even then it's hard for me to imagine that's the case um well even if it's sketchy it probably costs a fortune exactly so like where is he Man, not only getting I, the money but like how how like well we're, we're led to believe that time has passed yeah so maybe at that point he's got a job true though but, how you prove that you are who you are i don't know <laughs> that's it i mean where maybe he's i don't even know where to begin with that but i do like the aspect so that that's my negative my positive though why i love this is even though we kind of get this reboot i do think we will end up getting certain characters down the road who will remember this version and then if sony and marvel play nice they could really toy around with that and i think that sets up a very interesting idea now I can under I can see if anybody one does Doctor Strange know who Peter Parker is? He cast the spell. Does he know? No, but I think so even he forgets. I, I think, think if there's yeah. anyone that's going to remember or somehow know, it's going to be Wanda. She's yeah. just going to know because she's like all powerful. Um, I don't think they'll ever. I don't think they'll retcon this in a way where people will start remembering. I think it's actually is starting from scratch, but he'll have that connection to somebody who, who just knows. Yeah. And I don't want them to fix it. They don't, don't set it up and do it and then fix, fix it where everyone remembers him in the next movie. That's just, is it's lazy. Yeah. I don't, I don't want that either. I I don't want that at all. Loves hates. Um, going a little small scale for Spider-Man four. 
producer Amy Pascal says the focus for the next movie isn't about topping the spectacle of No Way Home, but topping the quality and emotion. Do you want the next movie to be smaller in scale? Yeah, I think this goes back to what we said in the last episode of ours, where it would be it would be nice to see that and just stick to the kind of what Toby and Andrew were talking about, just your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And we boil that down into what he's doing in New York City. So yeah. I think that would be fun. And it's not necessarily um, taking anything away from Spider-Man, but rather we get to see him in a different light. So yeah, I would say loves for the small scale. Kingpin? Do we want Ooh. Kingpin to be a big bad in the Spider-Man movie? Do we want Scorpion, who we've been teasing for three movies at this point? Though I don't think Scorpion is big enough to be the main villain. I feel like you got to pair him with somebody else. Maybe that is he's some sort of gun for hire for Kingpin. I like the idea of Craven as, as a, a villain, but it doesn't make sense now because no one knows who Peter Parker is. So why would you do that in the fourth movie? It's just illogical. Kingpin would make sense. And it is kind of teased in a ways. Um, but I also wonder, I know you brought up Craven, Scorpion, and uh, we could get Rhino because in the at the very end when Doctor Strange is saying, I can't stop them. They're all trying to come through. We see this animation outline of those three villains. Um, I think there's a fourth one. Um, or or maybe it was like, uh, was it uh, Spider-Gwen? At least that's kind of mm, semi-predicted. Uh, I think the three, so Craven, Rhino, Scorpion, those could end up, since they're kind of teased in the end, I wonder if, maybe they're going to use them and we do go with kingpin to keep it smaller but then we do see more like scorpion who is starting to come up and he's going to become more of a side villain i i kind of wonder if this was their way sony's way of teasing what's next and what spider-man will face in the next trilogy well i guess we'll find out now let's rank the uh the marvel cinematic universe spider movies numero three for me this this has got to be homecoming oh my goodness yeah i'm not saying it's bad i'm not saying it's bad but for me i'm well we could say that this is a successful trilogy i've liked all three of these um and a lot Mm -hmm. so congrats to them I love Homecoming, but the more I think, it's just that that final battle, it just doesn't, it's so lightweight compared to Far From Home and then what this does. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm going to lock in No Way Home. I think just the spectacle is fantastic. I love this movie, but I like the more grounded aspects of the other movies. And then I think Far From Home just exceeds um, in being crazy and bombastic, but also contained in a way that this one no way home doesn't quite work in some mm-hmm. ways with maybe a little too much villain bloat where again three and a half out of them suck <laughs> so numero two this is tough this is very tough because i am going to say and this could change on rewatch Oh, absolutely. But uh, this is where I'm going to have to stick No Way Home. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. I'm going to do... I'm still going to do Far From Home as my number two. I miss New York. And then your your number one's Homecoming. I'm going to keep Homecoming. I just love that one. It's so much fun. I mean, all of these movies are fun. I I have to go, and that's why I'm sticking Far From Home and number one, because that movie is just something about that. It's just, it's a fun movie. Uh, And it's weird because when that came out, it's after Endgame, and it's, I didn't know if I would really like it or care much for it. And it's something, something that's really endearing about that movie. And if we watch these movies back to back, like if I were to sit down and watch all three of these movies, 
together, I may change. There's a good possibility I will change the these rankings, but right now that's what I'm going with. Well, I'm excited to see what they do next. Yeah, for sure. And especially like Tom Holland's returning and we'll get three of his films. I just want to know, will we get Venom in the mix with Tom Holland? Mm. Do you think that he'll be one of the villains coming up? The Tom Hardy Tom no. Vel- Venom? No, they're not doing that. Let's hope not. But it's Otherwise, only- they wouldn't have done that ending. We're not get- that's what they've done is they've literally separated those two. Maybe Andrew Garfield can go toe-to-toe with him, but it, it ain't gonna be the same one. Yeah, I I feel like that's Kevin Feige doing that, but I'm also worried. What is Sony thinking? Are they on the same page? <laughs> I mean, I, I, they, they couldn't have done, they couldn't have done this really without. They need each other. Is the point? You know, mm-hmm. I think they're smart enough to realize that this is a, a good partnership. And Let's hope so. Because Kevin Feige came out immediately and was like, "We don't want people to feel the way they felt with after Far From Home, where they didn't know if they were going to get a third movie, where it was mm. all connected." So we're telling you right now, it's happening. So I think they're smart enough to know it's beneficial for both sides. And uh, ultimately, I think the MCU and Kevin Feige have more more push than Sony does. And that's a good thing, though. Yeah. I mean, Sony, Sony, the heads, they need to be like, just trust Feige. Mm-hmm. And then just like follow what he does and do it yourself. Because they have the, the ability to do this. With, you know, when they're with their own movies, they just tend to make bad movies. You know what I mean? It's weird. I don't understand it. Well, that's all I've got to say about Spider-Man No Way Home. Can I if, say one more thing real quick, by the way? Yeah. You know how much I love Christmas time in movies. Ending this movie with him swinging in the snow over that massive, like, was it like, where the 30 Rock ice rink or whatever they're at and the big Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. That was just the absolute best ending. That was awesome. And I feel like that's very much so a like Spidey. It feels so Spidey, but I also love that. I mean, we're coming up on Christmas time. Can we get an entire movie set during Christmas time? An entire oh, Spidey yeah. movie? That would be the best. That'll happen. I would be down for that. And I think we'll get it. We could get like a Stranger Things style where that show they have it set during a holiday in the u.s i think that'll happen with the next spidey like the next round of spidey movies hopefully you dug this podcast episode and spider-man no way home and until next time keep watching keep watching